This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is the Better Up podcast for the 11th of August. Uh, It's weird. We have all this positive news, and whenever we have a day that we're going to record... Bad news happens the day before we record. We had a whole weekend of good stuff that happened. We had a doubleheader sweep, and yet we end up having to talk about a split and possibly another hole in the Braves rotation. Will Pelagic, Caleb Johnson, Joe Patrick, hope all of you guys are doing well. We say hello to our cohorts. Hello first to you, Caleb Johnson. What's going on? Hello to you, Joe Patrick. The old switcheroo. I like it. I like it. (laughs) I don't want to keep you guys on your toes, man. Um, Here's the problem, guys. Like, we got to figure out when we get our schedule to a situation where it's like we have the Braves like winning a series or winning a game. Because I'm, t- I'm tired of coming on here when we have all this positive news over the weekend. And yet we come on here today and we talk about Sean Newcomb getting blown up like a gas can. Like, why? Look, this fits me perfectly, doesn't it? It's one of those. Oh, it's because uh, Eeyore. Because Eeyore's yeah, here. Yeah, I'm, I'm always the, <laughs> I'm place, always the right? one. I'm always the one bringing... Uh, what I feel like is just reality, but is not always positive news. And I think last night was another perfect example of everyone wants to be really optimistic on the Braves' chances. And sure, they should be, because at, at the same time, they're what, 11 and 7 right now? Mm-hmm. 11 and 7. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, still winning the division and everything's fine. Even After- though we're about to head into play the Yankees, and that should be a real concern. But yeah, I mean, everything's fine for the most part. It's just there are glaring holes, as we saw when you try to throw Sean Newcomb up there to <laughs> to start a game again. Yeah, it's weird, Joe. We had, obviously, the stuff with Fulty and the decrease in stuff. And, and as we were talking about last night during the game, it was incredibly jarring that he fell behind hitters to the level that he did. And it's not a situation where he has diminished stuff like faulty. The problem with Newcomb is that he's just not getting the ball over the plate. And I almost feel like he's getting some rep calls. Like I made the analogy to you guys about basically a basketball player who has a reputation for fouling, basically getting called for fouls for just breathing on guys. And I feel like Sean Newcomb gets squeezed almost totally now and it's forcing him to have to throw a lot of balls over the plate behind and counts and I think that's how you not only determine where a lot of his struggles have been over the course of not only his starting tenure with the Braves but especially this season yeah I think you kind of you kind of have to like throw strikes in order to get that 
rep from the umpire to kind of give you those calls. I mean, obviously in the 90s, the strike zones were way different. But if you go back and watch like a Greg Maddox start, it seems like because the umpire knew that Maddox had total command over his pitches, he was just like he would so often get inches off of the plate um, Gla- just because Glavin it was. Too. Yeah, yeah. Glavin was the same way. A lot of those guys on that Braves staff were. Uh, because, but they, but they had earned that reputation of being good pitchers who could command their stuff when they wanted, and that's always been the thing with Newcomb is like he'll have a great, uh, you know, one point two innings, and then he will throw eight straight balls, you know, and then Brian Snicker goes out and chews him out on the mound or something. Um, he's just like, yeah, it's just it's tough with him being so unpredictable in that. Well, he's like predictably unpredictable. You know that the you know that the he's going to fall apart at some point. You just never know when that's going to happen. It could happen in the first inning. It could happen in the fifth inning. Um, and but I think that's what's Brian driving Brian Snicker crazy right now. It's odd because looked like things were probably turning for the right way for him, but it's obvious now that they're going to have to do something else when it comes five days from now. Uh, they optioned him to the alternate training site. Brian Snicker last night in his post game presser saying that. Looks like they're going to try and maybe go and dip into the prospect well. Caleb, who do you want to see start five days from now? Tucker Davidson. Look, I feel like I've been saying his name for weeks now. Do I have any proof that he's going to work out? No, I just want to see him. Uh, Look, this has been a (laughs) guy. He's been a, a name, I feel like, that has been around this team all spring. As you know, a lot of people were very optimistic about him coming in. And he's a lefty, you know, so that kind of adds to the the benefit of, you know, let's see what he's got. Uh, and it's I mean, why not now at this point? We, we're we're really at a point where we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Um, and on top of everything else, you know, I don't I don't know if it got it hit you guys. But with Friday's game getting canceled and Sunday being a double header. That's now kind of messed the rotation up as far as guys getting their normal rest. Yeah. So you can't have Kyle Wright on Wednesday coming off three days of rest. So I, I honestly don't know how they're going to to manage this starting rotation, whether we're, whether we're about to see a couple of games in a row with openers or, or if we finally do see a couple of prospects. I, I don't know. It feels like there's a, a few possibilities open. Yeah, the Braves will see Jordan Montgomery tonight uh, with Tuki Toussaint on the hill. Uh, they still have not named a starter for Wednesday uh, when they will see Masahiro Tanaka. They do get the welcome day off on Thursday. Uh, that was the uh, one thing. Okay. That was that was the one thing that I think was uh, was pretty fortunate for them when it comes to the, the rain out in Philly is that they were one of the few teams who had not played with a day off up until that point. So they did get the day off as a bit of a respite on Friday. But like you said, Caleb, it kind of throws everything uh, into a little bit of a mess. And and like you said, too, throws in a uh, a need to try and have a bullpen game on on Wednesday. And, and Joe, you know, I, I, I've advocated for Patrick Weigel. Uh, Caleb is Mr. Tucker Davidson. Uh, you've said Ian Anderson might have a chance to possibly contribute, although it doesn't seem like the um, the appetite is there for the Braves to want to go that route. Yeah, I've been saying for a long time that I think he has a chance to put himself in position to capitalize on a situation like this, but it doesn't seem to me like he is the guy that they would go to in this situation. I tend to kind of lean towards the way Caleb's thinking just because of 
what I hear about how much they love Tucker Davidson, what they've seen from him, how much improvement they've seen. But if they go with Weigel, it wouldn't surprise me either. And I think that, you know, from where we sit, whatever decision they make, you, I think you just kind of have to assume that that's the right decision that was made using the right criteria. And it's, I don't know how much we'll be able to judge it until it actually happens. But I wouldn't be surprised to see either of those guys. But I do think it will be one of those guys. I think we'll see either Tucker Davidson or Patrick Weigel starting for the Braves here within the next week. And, you know, I think when it comes to using an opener, I kind of I, like uh, Huascar, you know, his start, like I can kind of considered him an opener. Um, yeah, that, oh, yeah that, for sure. that was that was like an opener type of situation where you knew you were going to use several relievers to come in and piggyback off of him. It looked like Tyler Matzik was the guy that they had kind of nominated to be that piggybacker. Um, so it will be interesting to see what they do. But if you use an opener, you can really only use them so often because you, that will be a game where you're really going to tax the bullpen. I think that it's a part of me is still not uh, fully realizing just like how impactful it is to have three more arms in the bullpen than you normally would have. Cause I, mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm just still in the mindset of being, having like a normal bullpen rotation and guys like only, seven guys you can use. Yeah. Yeah. And so wanting to be much more sparing with how you use them and things like that as to where, you know, when you have 11 guys uh, in there, then you can be a little bit more creative with how you use them. I, I do want to, uh, I, I do want to kind of go back to the Sean Newcomb uh, a little bit though. Cause Please. I think it, re- I think it really is interesting to kind of compare where Sean Newcomb is with where Mike Fulton is, because I think the way a lot of people see it is that they're in a very similar position where, you know, they have this bad, this terrible start, really bad start to the season. In Fulton's case, he was DFA'd because he didn't have options. And Sean Newcomb was obviously optioned. To me, Brian Snicker sounded very different talking about those two guys after their two starts. Like it, with Fulton, it sounded like he was like far gone not in consideration whatsoever as to opposed to last night when he, when he mentioned that, um, you know, he told the media that, uh, that Newcomb had been optioned. He was like, yeah, you know, he's still going to be an important guy for us coming down the, the, you know, later in the season, he just needs to, you know, go down there and do work like he's done before. And he just sounded more optimistic. It sounded like he had more of a plan for Newcomb to be part of this group than, than Fulte. And I think it's because with Fulte, Fulte like lost his stuff. Right. Like, and the stuff has not been lost with Newcomb. Newcomb just has to figure out how to consistently throw strikes. And I think with Fulte, there's a longer road back if there's a back, uh, road back at all to the Braves. Um, but I think that's just something that we need to. Um, I, I, I just want to kind of make that point that I think that these two guys, although they had something similar happen to them with their status with the Braves, they're, I think, in very different positions within the organization. No, I totally agree. They, I don't want to say they've given up on Fulte. But it is very evident the way they talk about uh, Newcomb and the way they talk about Fulte in, in a much different fashion. And like you said, Joe, you know, it's not like Newcomb's stuff is diminished. It's that he just can't get the ball over the plate. Like that's mm-hmm. the like it's it's a location thing. And, and you you can you can fix a guy who's not locating. You have a harder time fixing a guy who is dealing with a diminishment of actual skill. And that's, I think, the problem with Fulty. And like I said, I think it was telling that no one really took a chance on Fultonevich when he yeah. was exposed to waivers. And the fact that you were in a different situation with Newcomb and that you could option him, I think if, if they were in a different situation with Newcomb and they had to designate him for assignment... I don't think he's a brave anymore. I think he ends up on another team. So that's, uh, I think, a very different scenario. And I think you have to differentiate those two. And the other part of it, too, Caleb, is that 
know, we've seen Sean Newcomb actually fulfill a pretty important role out of the bullpen previously. I mean, it just could come down to the fact that this guy just does not profile as a starter. Just because he's a lefty doesn't mean he has to be a lefty specialist. We've seen uh, kind of the retirement of that role because of the new three batter rule and the fact that you really can't use a specialist in the way that you, you uh, normally would have. There there are no more loogie guys anymore. So I think it's important to denote that Sean Newcomb can still serve a role on this pitching staff even if it is not in this rotation yeah and I think that was I mean that was something that Brian Snicker alluded to last night in his post uh post-game press conference was the fact that I don't know I I think uh Joe was saying the way that he talked about Fulte and Newcomb were different but the thing that I saw that was the same when uh Snicker talked about both of them is just the frustration of being he was he was so frustrated that he was just completely honest and that mm. He was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, Newcomb, you know, I mean, if if that's what he can do well, if he can pitch out of the bullpen, that's what we're going to put him in. That's the position we're going to put him in. And it's just like, I'm going to stop forcing, you know, we're going to stop forcing something that isn't working if we have something that is working with him. And I mean, he adds value in that middle reliever role. And so I definitely think the next time we see him in a Braves uniform, it will be in that role unless he's playing for a different team. Well, I, so yeah. I, I think that that's a really good point there. And, and it's uh, one that I've been kind of thinking about ever since last night is like, how do you get the most value out of Sean Newcomb? That, that, should, that will be essentially the question that Alex Anthopoulos is asking himself. And is that value, do you get that value from a left-handed bullpen arm after he goes down and does, does some work? Or is that value, can you get more value, add more value to the Braves by packaging him in a trade for potentially a starting pitcher that you would need for this season and beyond with Mike Soroka's injury, injury especially? So, you know, I think that th- these are the considerations that Alex Anthopoulos is going to make over these next couple of weeks because the trade deadline is only 20, 20 days away from right now. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is coming up on us, and I think that we're going to start see. These teams, you know, Alex kind of talked after the Soroka injury that things were a little bit gridlocked with teams not wanting to make moves and things like that. I do think it will still be difficult to make moves in the trade market, but I think that we're going to start seeing teams start getting a little bit more creative as, as this, you know, the deadline is, is always going to do that kind of thing. Well, the problem is there aren't that many teams that are out of it. I mean, right. That's the that's the that's the big issue is that where it stands right now. I'm looking at this. The only team that's more than five games out of first place right now is the Pittsburgh Pirates in the Central, who are three and thirteen, and that's also a division with the Cardinals, who've only played five games. So, I was going to say the, the Cardinals, you actually can count them; they they are out. Like let's yeah. just let's let yeah. the Marlins are still in first place technically in yeah. the East. So the the, the <laughs> point is that there aren't teams that are lining up to to sell off their their assets and. It also stands to reason if a team is that bad off and that far off, then why would you want those assets? So that's that's true. Definitely yeah. a big part of, of why it's difficult for Alex Anthopoulos to pull the trigger on a deal. And it goes back to what I think you uh, the three of us talked about last week is that if you want to get a pitcher, you're going to have to give up Christian Pache or Drew Waters like that. I think that's a non-negotiable. I think I think. Whoever is on the phone with Alex Anthopoulos slams the phone down if he says, I'm not trading Waters or Pache. And 
I, that's why, again, I continue to believe that 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 utopian outfield won't happen for the Braves if they want to win. Now, if if they want to just continue developing their players and they want to keep going on this little this little cavalcade of, oh, we're, we're, we're great and we're getting to the playoffs every year and we get to a certain level and we're satisfied. I'm not trying to be negative Nelly here, but I'm just saying if you want to win, you can't keep relying on, oh, we have prospects. We have prospects. We have a future. We are great. We have a future. No, man, make a deal. Well, you have you, you have an opportunity here. You will. You talk about teams not being willing to make a deal because they're not out of it. You throw Christian Pache or Drew Waters in a deal, and all of a sudden, yes, teams are going to pay attention. Now, right. of course, yeah, of course, teams weren't paying attention last week because and it was one of those. The idea that the Braves were going to make any sort of deal last week was was far. No, that wasn't going to happen. Just, that wasn't going to yeah, happen. Just mm-hmm. just for the reason of. Like everyone could smell blood in the water. You know, oh, the, yeah. the Desperate Braves, team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Braves are down. They're number one. You know, they're not going. To, no one's going to make a trade with you unless they're going to collect some major ransom. And we've known AA is not going to make a deal like that. Now, as we get, you know, 10 days from now and we're 10 days away from from the trade deadline. That just seems so crazy uh, being at this point in the season. Uh, yeah, I think teams are, are definitely going to be more willing to to make moves as some teams are out of it. And then some teams have got to just be aware that they're well, that they're headed towards, you know, doom. <laughs> uh, well, I do think this. I think that normally, you know, 10 days out of a trade deadline, five days out of a trade deadline, you might see a couple of deals percolate. I think it's all going to happen on the 31st. I think that yeah. I think teams are all going to wait to the last minute. They're all going to see, okay, how long can we tread water? How long can we be within uh, uh, at least some, some sort of view of first place in our division or a playoff spot? Because that's the other part of it, guys. The fact that you have 16 playoff teams this year is something that you have to certainly weigh. Uh, first and second are going to get automatically in in each division, and then, of course, you have the wild cards. So that's the part of it that, again, I think is just, it's hard for, I think, any general manager to punt on a season prematurely. But I also believe that there is some value, and we've heard Alex Anthopoulos talk about that. There's value into winning this season. This season, a champion, if a, cha- if a champion is crowned this season, and I say if, there you go, Caleb. I gave you the if. If a <laughs> yeah. champion is crowned this season, it will be a legitimate <laughs> championship because everybody's going through the same particular uh, ter- turmoils and, and, and toils and spoils. But I also feel like, again, you are dealing with probably more adversity in this 60-game season than you would deal with over a 162-game season. And I don't think we weighed that. And I even think about the fact that, you know, the level of play, I'm not going to say it's totally diminished, but... You are dealing, especially on certain nights, like the night we saw on Tuesday night with the Braves, or one Monday night with the Braves, rather. I think we're seeing a lot more of those type of laugher games in a season than we normally would have, because I do feel like there is a sense of, I don't want to say give up, give upsmanship, making up a word, but I do feel like games are getting away from teams at a greater rate in this season. I don't have the numbers to back that up, but... I'm just thinking anecdotally. I feel like games are getting away from teams a lot easier this year than they would have normally. Yeah, it does seem like there are a lot of kind of blowout games here recently. And also, you know, it's funny. The Braves actually have scored more runs than any other team in baseball right now. Even, you know, they've also played the most games than any any other team in baseball right now. 
Um, but, you know, I still feel like the offense hasn't even really gotten going yet. You know, mm-hmm. Ronald Acuna has not been the, the guy over the span of games that we're accustomed to him being. Freddie Freeman, too, even though those guys have both had these kind of spurt games and hopefully they're coming on right now. The Braves offense really hasn't started ticking yet. And they, but yet they've piled up all these runs because they've had, you know, a couple of laughers where they've scored, you know, 13, 14 runs, something like that. And uh, yeah, it is interesting. And then also to your point, Will, you know, like we're on like a historic strikeout rate right now, which is, of mm-hmm. course, the way the game is going anyway. But, you know, I think it also just shows that the 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 hitters were clearly not up to the level that the pitchers were on at the beginning of the season, as we, as was evidenced by what we were seeing from guys like uh, Acuna and even Freddie Freeman had that four strikeout game, which you never see. So I, I think that, you know, I think the play is starting starting to get to a point. I also think teams are to your point, what you were saying, I think teams are. Um, just becoming more strategic in the way that, like, if they see the game is going one way, they're not going to, like, you know, they're gonna try to rescue it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're yeah, they're gonna try to rescue the next series because every all these games are so important that it makes more sense for a team to all of a sudden kind of start planning ahead instead of trying to mount some epic comeback. And of course, you know, you don't want a mortgage. Leaders, you don't want a mortgage tomorrow to save today. Right. And that's always been the case in baseball to an extent. You know, you see long relievers just kind of chewing up innings when the game is done. But uh, I, I think that it is becoming more prominent this year. Look, if yeah. there's ever been a team, though, this season who has tried to come from behind with with down big deficits. It's been the Braves. It has. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's one of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's not ignore the fact of the the final score last night, or you've got the series against the Mets where they came from behind. Yeah, you know, that game and, on the and, Friday night against the Mets, yeah. Yeah, and pulled out a win. I mean, it's one of those. The Braves didn't, they didn't necessarily lay down and give up. Uh, against the Phillies and just lose, you know, thirteen to one or thirteen to two, something like that. Like they, Th- that's they a player thing, though. Competitive. I, I, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about the player. I'm talking about the way the game is managed. Like I, I feel like again, you're probably seeing managers more inclined to have a guy thrown out there as a sacrificial lamb, like Robbie Erlin last night. I mean, oh yeah, that was absolutely his job, and I mean the, he fulfilled it too. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like it's like he's like a high variable guy. You don't know what you're going to get, but that's the time where a manager is going to throw him in there and kind of put him in that crucible so that's kind of that's and again like you said joe you see that in a season i'm not saying that you don't see that in a season but i'm saying that you are uh not tanking but i'm saying you yeah you know when the game is is out of reach and you know when a game is lost and the last thing you want to do is try and uh sacrifice your opportunity to win the next game by trying real hard or at least managing real hard to try and salvage what you have in front of you yeah and again it all comes back down to the fact that these games are just so damn valuable like you know uh, after the phillies game yesterday the after the double header that the braves swept they were 11 and 6 fan graphs had them at 90 percent to make the playoffs which i'm not sure exactly how they do their calculations and stuff but like I'm sure they're 11, different now. An 11 and 6 team already being like 90 percent to, to make a playoffs is just kind of a <laughs> funny thing to look at well, it's because most of the teams in the National League are under 500 right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got, I know. You've, you've got the, the Cubs who sit at 10 and 3. You've got three teams with 10 wins in the West. But outside of that, uh, and the Braves, nobody's got more than seven. I mean, yeah, the, the NL East specifically, it's like the Marlins have seven, are 7 and 3 and on top of the division right now. But, you know, yeah, the Phillies... Nationals, New York, and Mets are all under 500, so that helps out a lot. But, uh, you know, all this to say that, you know, 11 wins, I, I think I, I texted this to you guys yesterday. It's like, 
you get 11 wins, you're a third of the way to like probably what you need to to make the playoffs, maybe even more. So, um, you know, I, I still think the Braves are in a solid position right now, but obviously they're going to have to deal with everything that's going on. We haven't even talked about like uh, Ozzy Albies having been <laughs> gone to the IL right? with, with with a wrist, you know, it's like, and they don't know what, and exactly I think what they've handled that is. well. I think they've yeah. handled that well, you know, Echevarria, well, you know, his bat's not going to necessarily be what Albies is, but I, I know you're not losing anything in the field. No, they finally handled that well, Will. They did not handle, I will, <laughs> I will say, look, I love Snicker, but Snicker did not handle that situation well to start with by coming out and being like, yeah, he's got a bit of a, a nagging injury. We're still going to trot him out there and just like let him give it his best. And because I heard some conversations of being like, well, we don't actually know if rest is going to help this injury heal. And I'm like, this sounds like Dansby Swanson all over again. Like, what a, <laughs> yeah, just what are we doing? No, don't. You can't play a guy who's got a nagging injury and think it's going to get better. Like, that's just, that's not how that works. I but remember again, it's desperation. I, I, that's, a, that's a short season. They didn't want to lose him for that long. After that game, it was crazy because uh, Snit said he was like, "If it was a closer game, I would have taken him out." What? I was like what? Yeah, and I and I, <laughs> I don't. The man was so hurt that he wouldn't switch sides. Yeah, that was the, that yeah, was that very was, glaring. The, the yeah. hitting left handed against that was Anthony like a me- that, that was bad. That was like sending a message to me. Like that was like I'm not going like to take Brian myself hurts. out of this game, but you yeah. Brian, take me out, please. I can't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and no, I mean, you get, or at least I, I feel like I understand his background of, um, like, just wanting to be out there at, at every turn. You know, just everything is for the team. I mean, that true for the team kind of guy. Gamer. That I, yeah, that I see him as, and I, and I see, I see uh, Ronald as. And you just, um, it's one of those... That you as a manager, or I'm assuming in this case that Anthopolis possibly had to step in and just be like, he's going to have to sit. Like he's just, rest is the only option we have right now, unless, you know, we're looking at, and I would not be surprised if October, November, we're hearing about Ozzy having some kind of wrist surgery to remove a particle, you know, some kind of fragment. Mm, Loose fragments. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, I, f- I feel like this whole this whole idea of trotting out an injured a player with an injured wrist, whether it's Freddie or whether it's Dansby, like we've been through this again. So how I was just so angry to start with of how we got to the point of same old, same old. Yeah, we're just going to try them out there and, and see if, you know, it, it gets to feeling better. And it's like, no, thankfully... You know, we've we've got a Danny in there that can that can fill the void. And Camargo. And, yeah, when certainly isn't isn't a worse bat than than Ozzy has been with the with a hurt wrist. So I don't know. And I didn't freak out that much uh with with Ozzy having to sit for now. Same here, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't it didn't feel terrifying. Hopefully the Braves, you know, with Acuna having that amazing day on the doubleheader, <laughs> Freddie getting going. You know, these are two players that can really carry you for a certain period of time. Like they just get hot and you just ride their bats. And so if they do get hot right now, it would kind of be the perfect timing for the Braves to kind of especially this next two, three week period is going to be so key for them to one, get Ozzy healed and ready and back in the lineup, get their starting line, uh, their rotation straightened out 
Um, they've got some things they need to work through these next couple weeks, and so it wouldn't be better timing to have uh, those two go off. I'm old it's enough also- to remember that Ronald Acuna was struggling and shot and wasn't going to live up to what's on the back of his baseball card. I'm old enough to remember those discussions. <laughs> yes, but also what we're, dealing to this, we're, we're dealing with a 60-game season, which does make a different, uh, a bit of a difference because the slump just feels that much longer in, a, in, in the shortened time span. Now that we've been positive, uh, Caleb, you, you said you had some sort of Eeyore bit you wanted to uh, bring to the table. So guys, in the look, gloomy spot, I, I have this problem where obviously on the weekends I'm doing a lot of uh, because we are in a pandemic and because the radio stations having to deal with certain things. Uh, I'm doing a lot of producing for the CBS Sports Network that we have, which means I'm listening to a lot of guys throw out ideas and take calls on just various topics. And, oh, boy. Uh, yeah, well, one stuck with me because I and I and I honestly, I can't even attribute it to a specific host because at some point they all start blending together. Uh, but there was an idea thrown out because of what we've seen happened with the Marlins and what we've seen happen with the Cardinals, where, you know, essentially it gave us a scare, but we didn't shut down the game. And you guys were talking about once we get to the trade deadline, there'll still be a lot of teams in this. But what do we do about the teams who at the trade deadline or shortly thereafter know for a fact that they are out of playoff contention? How are we going to keep them interested and still following those guidelines and and sticking with, you know, not going out. Yeah, sticking with protocols. I mean, look, you've got guys, you know, starting pitchers for Cleveland who they are very much still in this and even they're leaving. Right. And and we're talking this is August, early August. Yeah. And we're having these issues. What happens when we get to the end of the month in early September? When there are teams that know they're out of it and they they know they're not playing for anything, what's the incentive for them to to not, you know, go out and hit a casino or whatever, just breaking those protocols? Well, I think, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about that. We hadn't talked about this, but I was thinking about something very similar, Um, actually, in the wake of the Marcus Stroman news when he opted out. And I just started thinking, I don't think this happened in Stroman's case, but I just was just was thinking, like, if your team couldn't make the playoffs, like, why wouldn't you just opt out? Like, you can opt out at any time. Um, it, I think the one thing, the one thing incentivizing guys staying on the rosters and, you know, staying part of baseball is the paychecks, right? Um, but if you were a guy who's already made a lot of money, you know, we were talking about this before the season started, like, there was always going to be more of an incentive for these younger players who haven't built up the financial nest eggs in their lives to play, as opposed to these guys who are, you know, the Mike Trout's of the world who've got all the money they need general generational mm-hmm. money already in the bank. Like why expose them to themselves to that risk? And, you know, I think like in, in terms of going out and bringing protocols, I think there probably is some like team accountability and personal accountability maybe, but I think but that what you're, happens, you're, what you're happens definitely, with- <laughs> Yeah, I know. I know. I see what you're saying. Like, if one guy breaks it, you know, well, breaks no, the but chain. what happens with the team accountability? Because here's the the conversation that's been going on with the the starting pitchers in Cleveland is they broke protocol. The security that the team paid for, who caught them, you know, it was one of those. Oh, they broke protocol, and then they hopped on the plane with the team. And well, one of home. them did. One of them did. Plesac had to drive home 
apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, but but Clevenger was on the team playing, so that was that 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 was that was a bad that was a bad look. I feel like uh, I side more on Joe's side. I feel like you are going to see more opt outs as opposed to breaking of protocols. Just because I think again, if a guy wants to break protocol, like he should, ju- he's just better off just leaving. He should. I, I feel, he should opt out. Yeah, but, yeah. I feel like that's but more who, likely to happen, and teams are teams are going to gut themselves as opposed to a guy being reckless. I would like to think that's the just especially based off of knowing what this virus is going to do to people if it if it does penetrate a team like it's we've seen with the Cardinals and Marlins. But who are the ones making? the big money it's a lot of them are going to be are the older guys on on their team i you you would almost think some of the more mature guys who are able to just say you know what i'd rather not play than than have to follow this and my team not make the playoffs what about the young guys who are like look i just want to live my life and you know because i mean my team's not fighting for anything it doesn't Essentially, it doesn't matter if I wake up tomorrow with a hangover kind of deal. I'm just like, I, I honestly don't know what incentivizes them to to police themselves, you know, because they're not going to opt out because they want that paycheck. I do think we're going to see more opt outs in September. That's just me. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I think so. And you're, I mean, you're right, Caleb. It's kind of a it's a dangerous concoction because on a lot of these really bad teams, they're already filled with players who aren't making a lot of money. You know, it's not like they have a lot of high priced stars typically. Um, these teams that are well clearly not going to, you know, like you're in Pittsburgh pirate territory. Yeah. Well, I, I do find it interesting, though. I don't know if you guys saw that they're throwing out the idea for the playoffs of going into some to sort of bubble, bubble. Yes. Yeah. It's one of those. Uh, I mean, oh, oh, when when the league's money is yeah, right, uh, exactly. at risk, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, let's throw everybody into a bubble. Yeah. It's like, hmm. yeah. I don't know if that's got to be uh, extra careful, extra careful <laughs> with that playoff money. I don't know if that's necessarily something that's going to get passed uh, with players' approval, but again, we'll see, and we'll, uh, I'm sure, get back into that. Uh, speaking of opting out, it's time for us to do just that, as we are out of time for uh, nice. this edition of Batter Up. Be sure to catch us on Twitter, at Willie P. Style, at Patrick 200 at ATLJohnson18, and of course, at 929thegame as well. Be sure to download the Batter Up podcast wherever you get your podcast, including on the Radio.com app. For Caleb, Joe, I'm Will. Saying so long, batter up. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.